What is going on, Chiefs Kingdom? You are back on another edition of the Coach's Corner. I am Justin Dupengeiser. I am joined, as always, by my guy, Caleb James. Uh, Caleb, before we get started, just I want to say just a couple words about Therese Paler. Obviously, Chiefs Kingdom was kind of caught off guard with his recent passing. And, um, you know, obviously I didn't know him personally, but I was a huge fan of his work um, ever since, you know, his days with the Kansas City Star and just following him as he covered the team and then moving on into Yahoo. You know, I loved I loved the podcast that him and, and Charles Robinson did together. Um, you know, just a super sad and, and tragic story. You know, he's just a young man. He's only 37 years old. And, and my heart and condolences go out to to his family, to his friends, to Chiefs Kingdom. I mean, it's it's a very sad loss for us all. Yeah, most definitely. And on the other Chiefs podcast I do, I had touched on the passing of Therese Paler last week. And he definitely, you know, growing up a Chiefs fan like I was, you know, Therese was one of the first guys I ever followed when I got started getting involved on Twitter. And I always made sure to continue following him or reading his articles in the Kansas City Star and eventually for Yahoo. And I think it's kind of funny because he was always a guy that I enjoyed reading, but he was also not just like a beat reporter. He was a guy that he understood the game. And really, if you listen to the questions he asked, he uh, always seemed to have the best questions, the questions that the players could really respond to. You know, he always seemed to be the guy that could get the coaches talking. He always knew what to say to get those guys going and to get them going. And he also came up with the uh, Baba Yaga nickname for Patrick Mahomes in 2018. And I remember tweeting a, a jersey picture to him one time. And I believe it was just a, one of the from the NFL personalized jersey shop. But I had put Baba Yaga on the uh, back of a number 15 jersey. And I had sent it to him and he had liked it and he had like put a skull and crossbone response or something like that. So I thought that was cool. But yeah, he's going to be greatly missed for forever in not only just football, but life in general. Yeah, just like I said, super tragic, super sad. And, and our heart goes out to his family, his friends um, and kind of everybody involved. Chiefs Kingdom, very, very sad time for us, for sure. Um, with that being said, let's, let's change up gears and let's, uh, talk some, some Kansas city chiefs, uh, football here. So obviously we're in the off season. I think the, uh, I think the way you put it before we jumped on here, the shock of the Super Bowl loss has finally worn off. So people are getting into the off season mode and, you know, with that comes free agency with that comes, you know, all the different, um, restructuring of contracts and, uh, obviously the draft and all that. So there's a lot to actually um, talk about in that aspect with Kansas City because um, of the way their roster is constructed currently. And and we're going to start today with a couple positions on the offense, offensive side of the ball. And we're going to start first with wide receiver. Um, obviously, uh, this this past year, Tyree Kill was, you know, incredible. He, he lived up to all the hype. He's outstanding and he is on contract next year um his cap hit for next year is actually 8.3 point 8.34 percent of the chiefs um total 
total uh, roster construction with a 15.8 um, cap hit, um, and that's per Spo, uh, uh online. And then the only wide, other wide receiver that's actually gotten any experience, basically, um, that's under contract is McCole Hardman. So the other receivers they have on roster are Chad Williams, Garrick Dieter, Maurice French, Joe Fortson, Antonio Callaway, and Dalton Scoen, which I don't even know who that is. So, um, uh, it's the K State guy. Okay. Okay. Yeah. So that that's the receivers right now that they'll have under contract for the uh, 2021 season as of right now. And then Brett Beach, his recent comments said that if there's a way that they can basically restructure Sammy, they will look into doing that. And I, I'm going to start right there with Sammy Watkins. Do you think the Chiefs should resign him? Do you think they should move on? Or what do you think they should do with him? I I think it's time to move on. He's been here three seasons, but if you look at the amount of games he's missed in the three seasons, it totals up to one season. So, you know, it all just comes down to, is his good going to outweigh the amount of time he's going to have to miss? And he's also not getting any younger. And that's just kind of the big thing with that is the Chiefs are in a stage right now where they can't afford to hold on for a guy to a year too long. They need to be on the stage where they should be getting ready to let guys go almost even a year early. And, you know, it just kind of seems like Sammy Watkins has hit his, has hit his peak for his career in the NFL. And it kind of seems to me like he's at the end of the road with the Chiefs. You know, he's, had, he's a special player when he's healthy. He's obviously – made a tremendous impact in the Chiefs offense. But if you can't consistently stay healthy, the Chiefs can't afford to keep giving him a big pay cut, a big pay a big pay raise. Now I know they could cut it a little bit, but still I just feel like those resources would be better off somewhere else at this point in the season. I'm a hundred percent on board with you there. It's unfortunate because I am a Sammy Watkins fan going all the way back to his days at Clemson. And if you ever want to see you know, a pretty incredible college highlight film. Go go watch his. I mean, you you could actually even just put on his game against Ohio State where he just lit them up. He was an incredible player. Um, you know, unfortunately, like you mentioned, his time in Kansas City has been riddled with injury. Um, you know, his three seasons here has been he's played 10, 14, and 10 regular season games. So that just goes to show, you know, it, it's just – he, he the, the offense is better when he plays, obviously, but um, – he just doesn't play enough, unfortunately, to make to make him his signing worth it. I guess. Um, as far as as McCole Hardman goes, he he made a pretty interesting comment today, or headline came out today at least, where you know he kind of, he kind of wants to show that he's more than um, just the gadget guy that they you see or basically whatever. How he actually is a pretty good route runner. Um, what, what do you forecast for him in the future? Because my argument always has been for the, for the people that are, are haters out there of the McCole Hardman and how he's looked is, is he, he fits in the offense the way that they want him to fit in the offense at this point. They think that using him on those jet sweeps and those mo- motions and stretching the field horizontal. And then when he's in there stretching the team, stretching teams vertically with his speed, um, is kind of what his role is, and he, he does his role pretty well. Now, is he a guy that is going to go out there and warrant, um, you know, 15 targets a game? Probably not. But I, I think he's better than people give him credit for, but I think it also gets stuck in people head, people's heads that 
you know, where he was drafted before DK Metcalf. Well, I know I have said it on the show before, every single team in the NFL passed up on DK Metcalf, including the Seattle Seahawks. So it's, if, if people knew that DK Metcalf was going to be this good, you know, or this productive in the NFL, they would have drafted him sooner. And the, and the fact of the matter is top DK five. Metcalf, yeah. And DK Metcalf isn't, isn't like a stud route runner by any means. Where does he do to his damage? Play action verticals and deep overs. Like that's what he, those are his big routes, you know? So I, I don't know. What, what are your thoughts though on Nicole Hardman and kind of moving forward? Where, where does he fit into the offense? Can he be a number two wide receiver? Basically. I love saying I love seeing him saying, you know, I need to come out here and do better because to be honest with you, I know he's taking a lot of heat, but he doesn't have to take any of that heat, especially after that Super Bowl. He could kind of go out there and say, you know, whatever, oh, I'm still doing my thing or doing whatever. It kind of seems to me like he's taking some of that personal responsibility for the Chiefs lack of production in the passing game in the Super Bowl when Hill and Kelsey were covered up. And I kind of I like to see that, you know. He's been one of those guys we've got to see him grow a little bit over the last couple of seasons. Not the end of the season that the Chiefs wanted. I think the Chiefs losing the Super Bowl definitely heightened some people's opinions on him, no matter what they may be. Now, if you look the week before the Super Bowl, when he was making a couple of big-time plays against the Bills, then I didn't see anyone complaining then. And certainly no one complains when he does make that explosive play, but with me, it's always just been a getting him on the field in enough good situations to let him be able to run routes. You know, he's not the biggest guy in the world, but can they find him a way? Can he find a way to be able to work himself into it? That's what the offseason's for now. I mean, we've seen some guys, you know, not everyone that's ever played in the NFL is going to be an electric star their first day. I think that's one of the big things people have to look at. You know, guys like Tyree Kill, Travis Kelsey, and Patrick Mahomes, those guys are rare compared to the NFL average, compared to the norm of guys that go out and become superstars in their first day on the block. You know, it takes time. It's a process. I am optimistic that we will get to see Hardman run some, some reps as a number two wide receiver next year, but I definitely think the Chiefs will probably bring in someone else to help run that number two. But you know what? The harder he works – and the more he just blocks out people that are going to keep comparing him to DK Metcalf and keep doing this and keep doing that to him, the more he can block that out and continue to grind and grow mentally and physically as a player, then he's got to have a chance to be special here in Kansas City. And I know the pressure's on him and everyone, the pressure's on Brett Beach right now. Look, if the Chiefs don't lose the Super Bowl, no one's in panic mode right now. But this is what happens when you lose the Super Bowl in the fashion the Chiefs did. Everyone's in panic mode, and everything's being, more or less in my opinion, overanalyzed by a lot of people right now where things really don't even need to be overanalyzed at. You know, Hardman, he is what he is right now, he said. You know, he's a very good weapon. He's been a guy that has helped the Chiefs win some big games this year. And you know what? He's still a young guy, and if he goes out and has a good offseason, I think he could continue to see more production in the wide receiver room. And also, for the people that always want to seem to criticize his wide receiver, he was the third leading receiver on the Chiefs this year behind Kelsey and Hill. So it shows you they kind of want to get him more involved in other ways than just some of the tricks stretching the field. Yeah, exactly. That's my thing, too. Is Again, this year, man, it was – 
the receiving was just dominated by Kelsey and Hill. And that's how it was. Like, everybody was calling for more passes to Clyde Edwards-Alaire as well because he was such a good receiver coming out of the backfield in LSU, and everybody kind of speculated that's, you know, that's why that they drafted him because he's so talented that. But the more passes that, you know, uh, McCole Hardman or the more passes that a Clyde Edwards-Alaire catches is the less passes that a Travis Kelsey and a Tyreek Hill catch. I mean, that's just that's just the 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 that's just the facts of it. Like you can't. There's only so many passes to go around. And to me, I, I think that you need that those third, fourth, and fifth pieces to be exceptional playmakers. And they have certain roles where they fit in. Now, do you need times where they're going to win one-on-one battles and, and run, you know, run an efficient curl or comeback or whatever it might be? Yeah, absolutely. Because you know, you saw that time and again where. And that's why Sammy Watkins was so good is because you think back to the Super Bowl against the 49ers um, and what they were trying to do. He got matched up one on one against Richard Sherman in a crucial situation and completely cooked him. And, you know, they ran the vertical route. Mahomes found him and got that huge play for him in the Super Bowl. So, yeah, you're going to have to win one on one routes. But, I mean, these guys are really ancillary pieces to the foundations of the offense, which are Tyreek Hill and Travis Kelsey. Let me talk to you guy about a guy that in Byron Pringle, who is currently an unrestricted free agent, I believe, um, right now for Kansas City. So he's not on the roster, but he is somebody that, you know, in any reads offense, it takes a while to learn the offense. And then, you know, the the time that you have there, it's it's important and it's valuable because if you already know the system, you're already a leg up on somebody that they would have to bring in. Do you think that they they try to re-sign Pringle and give him some sort of deal? Because we did see towards the end of the year when Watkins was out, Pringle was getting a little bit more run. He actually outsnapped Hardman in the Super Bowl even. Yeah, if I'm the Chiefs, I'm going to go ahead and give uh, Pringle very similar deal to what they gave to Demarcus Robinson last year. So probably somewhere in like that one-year, like couple million dollar range, something along those lines. Is he, he you know, he... I know everyone loves him because he's a local K-State guy. You know, he's never going to be anything more than the third or fourth or fifth wide receiver on the Chiefs roster at any given time. But if he wants to come back, I'm sure Brett Meach would like to have him because, you know, he does the little things well that you look for in, like, those role players, you know. It seems like he's a high IQ football player. He can do He can do different things in the return game and the catching game. You know, and then, you know, he has sturdy hands. You don't see him drop a lot of passes. You know, he just kind of does the smart, good things you have to do when you're an undrafted wide receiver. He blocks well, plays with a little bit of attitude. So if I'm the Chiefs, I'd go ahead and bring him back just for one or two more seasons on a little deal like that. You know, nothing major that's going to break the cap and, you know, keep him happy, keep the Chiefs happy and have a familiar face in the offense for Mahomes to go to. Yeah, I think that's the smart thing to do as well. I think that you you want guys like this on your roster to begin with, especially if you can get them at a decent discounted price. He's a guy that can be, you know, your third, fourth receiver and be a special teams contributor. Um, you know, he's good on punt coverage. He He's good in punt return. He used to play some kickoff return. So I, I think that he is somebody that I would definitely, like you said, maybe do give him the um, the the DeMarcus Robinson treatment with the one one year, you know, couple million dollar contract and kind of see how it goes there um there's two guys that i think are pretty interesting that well i'll say three actually so there's three guys right now two of the guys 
have been on the practice squad that the Chiefs have had. Um, Maurice French, who is a guy that is out of um, Pitt, 5'11", 200 pounds, 23 years old. Um, super interesting guy. If, if you watch his film, he's small, he's shifty, he you know, he's runs a 4'4", 440. Uh, he's undrafted free agent. Interesting guy um, to have on your roster in your practice squad. And then there's Jody Fortson, you know, or Big Joe. He, he is huge and he's somebody that kind of chief's kingdom has been clamoring over for a little while here to see if he gets any any run and then the last guy is that they just signed in antonio callaway so callaway is super interesting he's a guy that he kind of um so he was with he was out of florida um he was with the browns he's a, a pretty talented guy and he just hasn't really seem to be able to put it together. Um, and these kind of seem to be the guys that Brett Veach, Andy Reed find that end up, um, I don't want to say like paying off, like he's going to be something great, but could be a sneaky sign and where he could be a productive guy in, in their offense. Right. So he's been, he was with Cleveland for two years and in his rookie year, he actually had 43 catches for 586 yards and five touchdowns. You know, basically did nothing his second year in Cleveland. Then he was with Miami for a little bit this past year and, and did basically nothing. But do you think of any three of these guys, do you think any three of them uh, make the make the 53 roster? Um, and, and do they, you know, get any production? Do they show anything for us in 2021? I don't know a whole lot about Maurice French or really Antonio Callaway, except for what you said about Callaway. I know he has the NFL experience, you know, I know he's still a young guy who they could, you know, he came out maybe a little too early out of college and he's someone that, you know, maybe they're wanting to see if they can get him going a little bit. You know, that's kind of been something they like to do is bring in these guys who haven't had such hot starts to their career and kind of revive them. I keep my eyes on that, especially since, you know, both of those guys seem to be like the same size the Chiefs would be looking for in their third or fourth receiver. But, Jody Fortson is always going to be an interesting prospect as long as he's in Kansas City. And I mean, you know, you see 6'6 on the roster spot or whatever, that's going to draw some interest, especially at the wide receiver position. I know that I know that's what the, everyone wants to see. It's not really something we've seen a lot of Andy Reid, you know, about the biggest pass catcher Holmes has had has been uh Travis Kelsey you know he's about six he's six six also but you know he runs like no one else does so it'll be interesting but I would really like to see Jody Fordson get involved I think they could do some but I think he's just a guy they could run some good isolation routes with you know get some favorable matchups since Kelsey's going to be drawing so many double teams and I think he's just be a guy that you know they could even put out there on some routes at, as the Kelsey type guy a couple of times a game to give Kelsey a break here or there or help do some other things. But he's, yeah, he's the mismatch guy. And then, like I said, the other two, I don't know a whole lot about him, but you know, we didn't know a whole lot about Byron Pringle or like Demarcus Robinson or a lot of those guys like that before hand. So the chiefs like to bring in those underrated wide receivers and try to develop them. So there's always probably, something brewing in the receiving core as far as who's going to be the next guy to step up to be a contributor or who does Andy Reid see who he kind of likes and wants to step up to be that next role guy. 
I think Antonio Callaway is super interesting. Like I, I'm, I'm really actually pretty intrigued about whether or not he can kind of um, revitalize uh, his career because obviously he kind of fell by the wayside. Wayside. A lot of it I, I had heard was um, attitude related. Um, you know, some lack of concentration, stuff like that. But I mean, he's five eleven, two hundred pounds. He runs a four four forty, so another fast guy. He he also has some production as a punt and kick returner. Um, back in his days in college, he had two two punt returns for a touchdown as a freshman, and then he had a kick return for a touchdown as a sophomore at Florida. So you know, this is major SEC football where he's you know, making plays like that, which is pretty impressive. He also had, you know, 678 yards receiving as a freshman and then 721 as a sophomore, four touchdowns each of the seasons from from scrimmage. So I I don't know. I think he's somebody that to be interested to keep an eye on to see if he has has anything at all. If nothing else, maybe a kicker, a punt returner. I mean, we saw and we kind of talked about how we want to – I would prefer not to see McCole Hardman back there returning punts anymore. So if he could do that, be the you know be the fourth or fifth wide receiver and return punts and kicks, I think that adds value to the Chiefs. To be honest, um, yeah. no, I was going to say yeah, definitely. You know, if they can find someone that can just do that full time, so they can let guy other guys focus on things, I think that's huge. Also, no question, no question. And then let's talk about um, free agent wide receivers because there is a slew of them who are uber talented. Um, let me just go through this list here real real quick, and we'll talk about some guys. Allen Robinson, Chris Godwin, Juju Smith-Schuster, Will, For- Will Fuller, Kenny Galladay, Corey Davis, Curtis Samuel, Antonio Brown, Sammy Watkins, T.Y. Hillen, Marvin Jones, Nelson Aguilar, John Ross, A.J. Green, Bashad Perryman, Larry Fitz, Josh Reynolds, Keelan Cole, Chris Conley, Des Bryant, D.D. Westbrook. Um, you know, the list goes on and on and on and on all the way down to like a Marvin Hall, Andre Roberts, Isaiah McKenzie type guys. I, I will fully say that I have been pounding the Allison, Allen Robinson train to Kansas City since before the season, basically. I knew he was going to be a free agent. I knew that um, I want to find a way to get him in Kansas City. That is my dream. I've been pounding that table for a very long time. Will it happen? Man, I hope so. Probably doubtful. But of these receivers, is there anybody that you think that it would be worth taking a look at? It, it sounds like Chris Godwin is going back to Tampa Bay. But guys that like kind of pop out to me is the Allen Robinson, Kenny Galladay, Corey Davis, Curtis Samuel, some somebody in somebody like that, Marvin Jones Jr. You like I, any of these guys? I I like Kenny Galladay. A couple of my friends have been big in my ear about him lately, and I've been taking a look at it, and I do think he would be a good fit for what the Chiefs are trying to do. He's been one guy I've been looking at. Um, I like Curtis Samuel, and I didn't know a whole lot about Curtis Samuel until I went to that uh, Chiefs versus uh, Panthers game this year, to be honest with you, and I kind of watched him play, and I said, man, I kind of like this guy. I'm like, it would be interesting to get him in there, see what he could do a little bit, but yeah. And then I know it's crazy, but uh, I would not actually mind having Juju Smith-Suster in Kansas City. As much as I would, everyone everyone's going to love to have Allen Robinson. And then if Allen Robinson goes signs some big massive deal with uh, you know some other team, then everyone's going to freak out and say Brett Veach failed. Well, did he really fail, or do the Chiefs just have a lot of money? 
locked up in a lot of other guys, you know. So, yeah, that those would be two guys to look at. Curtis Samuel and Kenny Galladay, I feel, are realistic options. And then maybe a Juju Smith-Schuster. I think that Curtis Samuel fits what the Chiefs like to do. The only problem is I think that Tyree Kill and Nicole uh, Hardman do a lot of the things he does. So I'm kind of like keying in on Kenny Galladay as being the guy the Chiefs could look to go after. A guy who I think longer guy can catch contested passes, you know, create mismatch one-on-one. I think he's a guy I'd be looking more realistically for the Chiefs going to. And, th- and that's kind of I, where I am with the Allen Robinson thing. And obviously, like I said, that's probably a pipe dream. I, I think Kenny Galladay might actually garner pretty decent money too. But those two guys, you know, the big bodies, they're long. They can catch, you know, the contested balls like you mentioned. I think that that's an interesting thought. Just guys that can be physical and win in the red zone and help out, you know, Kelsey and um, and Hill down there. I think those are the guys that would be interesting to – see if they they could bring in you know the will fuller is interesting too just because he's so dang fast you put him in this offense it's another burner but you know who know who knows with him coming off of the uh juice the, the, yeah the steroid allegations but i guess when you have uh um, what's his face there the, the former linebacker is your strength and conditioning coach it can't be that shocking no. um let's let's shift gears here anything else receivers i think that you know, that kind of covers like the guys on the roster and kind of uh, potential free agents to look at. So let's let's switch gears to offensive line. Offensive line is going to be so interesting um, this year to see what happens. Um, it's crazy. So obviously they had Lucas Nyang, who they drafted, and he opted out. They had Laurent Duverday Tardif, who opted out. Um, Mitchell Schwartz, who hurt his back and basically didn't play, I felt like the whole season. He played a few, you know, a few games at the beginning, obviously. But then you have Eric Fisher, who tore his Achilles, who's probably not playing um, in 2021. And then um, a guy like Nick Allegretti, who stepped in and did a pretty admirable, admirable job this year at guard. Andrew Wiley. Um, uh, Austin Ryder is actually a free agent, so it'll be interesting to see what they do with him. Percival Track uh, is they're saying that he's worth eleven million dollars a year, which I can't even fathom it. Fathom. That just blows my mind. That is just unreal. Um, but then they also have a guy like Brian Weitzman, you know, Yasir Durant, who we saw a little bit, Martinez Rankin, who we saw a little bit, who's finally getting healthy. I, I guess I want to start uh, at the tackle position because. Eric Fisher and Mitchell Schwartz are the huge question marks that are coming up this year. Like I said, Fisher's probably not even playing. He's 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 very expensive, um, to put it lightly. And then um, Mitchell Schwartz, also pretty expensive. And coming off of the back injury, Fisher is a $15.1 million cap hit this year. Do you think that they cut him? Do you think Schwartz retires? Where, what do you think happens at the tackle position? This is about to be one of the more interesting decisions that Brett Veach is going to have to make, if not the most. I think this is actually one of the most important decisions he's had to make roster-wise since he's been in Kansas City, is deciding what to do with these two because, you know, for it seems like almost forever now, they've been the Chiefs' tackles, and the tackle position's been one of the most stable on the entire Chiefs' team, you know. 
Fisher's been the stalwart in there. Schwartz has been one of the NFL's great Ironmen, and this year we saw both of them get banged up. So there's definitely decisions that are being have to made. I wrote about it earlier this week. Um, watching Eric Fisher's progress as a player has been amazing, and being able to watch him grow from Andy Reid's first draft pick into a all or a, into a Pro Bowl caliber tackle, it's been fun. But I think he's had to play his last down, and I think the sole reason for that is the Chiefs are in win-now mode, and $15 million is a lot of cheddar for a guy that's going to be sitting on the bench and who a guy who you probably weren't going to be bringing back anyway. The only problem with that is no one knows what's going on with Mitchell Schwartz except for Mitchell Schwartz right now, so it's wild now. I, I don't put much stock. I don't invest much in uh, Instagram posts, but it does seem like Mitchell Schwartz does want to come back to play at some point. At least to me, the mood he was sending from that thing, from the little post he had, you know, him running on the field, it looks like he kind of wants to maybe come back and give it one more shot. Back injuries are hard, but if he thinks he can go and he can even be 70% next year, then I think you have to keep him on the roster because he's going to give you something. But Fisher, it's just such an unfortunate thing, but it's the it's the way of the landscape of professional football. You know, he's going to be 31 years old, I believe. He's now, this is a debilitating injury, an Achilles that's going to cost him at least a full season of football. It's hard to come back on, especially for bigger guys. So I think his, and I think it's the end of the road for him in Kansas City, and I desperately think the Chiefs need that, uh, they're desperately going to need that cap money from him at some point here in the next year or so. Yeah, a hundred percent. I it's, and we've talked about, about it quite a bit on this show is, you know, how Eric Fisher's kind of underappreciated. So I, I will be sad to see him go, you know, he's the number one overall pick for Kansas city and he's had a very solid career for the chiefs. But I, I do agree that that is a lot of money to pay a guy that is, that is, potentially going to miss and most likely going to miss the entire season. Um, the Schwartz thing will be interesting to see if he can come back and be healthy. I would, you know, obviously love to have him. Um, what do you think that the Chiefs do with Lucas Nyang? Do you think that they try to play him at a tackle? Um, because if Schwartz is back and they cut Fisher, does, you know, is he plug and play at left tackle or, or do you see them going somewhere else with that? This is where it gets interesting. And this is actually the thing that, I don't think hardly anyone could tell you right now. I mean, I'm just going to make do my best to give you predictions based on what I think. Nyong got a ton of experience at left tackle, though he does play right. And as we both know, in Andy Reid's offense in his system, that it doesn't matter if you play center, you're going to know how to play tackle also. You're going to know how to play guard. Everyone's going to know how to play everything just so they can get the most value they can out of somebody. So I could definitely see them plugging in Lucas Nyong at left tackle if need be. And, you know, hopefully he's trained up. That's just a big situation to put a guy in to start out this to start out the season. So hopefully there'll be some preseason in that situation. But I almost think, you know, I, I don't really see any situation where Lucas Nyong isn't in the plans to be starting somewhere on the offense on the offensive line, you know whether it be tackle or guard. Strictly from a tackle standpoint, though, I mean, it seems like they want him to be ready to go. You know, they probably have been telling him even before the Fisher news, hey, you know, there's a good chance we could cut one of our tackles, so you have to be the guy 
that's ready to rock next season. So hopefully he is. And I had kind of an interesting take, but I think if the Chiefs did have to go a season with Martinez Rankin at right tackle, while not ideal, I think it would be manageable like they had with Mike Rimmers. And a part of that is because I think Martinez Rankin is better than Rimmers. I think he just had a hard time finding a groove this season. Yeah, I I think that I'm with you on that one. Um, you know, he came in this year and he he did he hadn't played in forever because of his injury. He's just he was just working his way back, so he clearly wasn't in you know that football shape that we kind of talked about. Um, let me talk to you about two two guys, um, and one of them is Mike Remmers. He's a free agent. So one, do you think that they're going to bring him back? And then the other guy is the guy that they signed to the practice squad or a futures contract, I guess, would be Prince Tega Wanagu. And I apologize if I'm pronouncing that wrong. But my thought with Remmer is, is I think that he he earned a, a signing, sign him back because he can play every position, you know, pretty much along the offensive line. You don't want him to start ideally in long spurts, but you obviously seeing that he can be good in games. You know, if he has to play for a game at guard or at tackle, he can be fine, you know. So I think that's valuable, especially just being, you know, a veteran, being a guy that's been in the system. Um, I, I would look to see if he could sign him for cheap again to see if he'll take a pay cut or something to stay in Kansas City just because of the uncertainty of their offensive line and kind of where they are. And then the other one is is Prince Tega Wanagu, who is a guy that um, he's out of Auburn. He was drafted in the sixth round by the Eagles. He was second team all SEC in 2019. I find him to be a very interesting prospect because he he was talked about, again, pretty highly um, coming out of college. He's very raw. He only played one year of high school football. He's from Nigeria. You know, after one year, he actually signed and went to Auburn. So there's obviously some athleticism, some talent there. He'll he'll be an interesting developmental project. But what do you think about those two guys? Yeah, Mike Rimmers has earned another contract in. I know he didn't play very well in the Super Bowl, but he's also playing out of position, his third position of the season. So, yeah. He's probably not going to do so well against one of the league's best pass rushers, but he's definitely earned, at least I would say he's for sure earned another shot, in, at least in my eyes he has. And he really bailed the Chiefs out in some really bad situations this year. But, yeah, I, I, I think he'll be back. P.T. is an interesting prospect, man. Over to him, though. And back to Rimmers just real quick. I'd give him the exact same one-year deal as last season and let him – keep trying to play but back to ptw this is a guy who i thought coming out of the draft last year was going to be a home run draft pick and i think he had injury issues that limited he limited him he never really got going to philadelphia they released him another one of those guys that brett veach and andy reed pick up has a struggles to start his career a raw prospect with a lot of athletic ability and talent and now they're going to give him to coach heck and uh let him do his best job to coach him up on the offensive line. I do not think he is a tackle at the NFL level. I just I thought there was a chance he could play guard coming out of college, but he wanted to stick at tackle. I think his position is going to be along the interior. And, you know, before we get into the interior offensive linemen, a, a couple of guys who are kind of similar would be Kaleche Osimile. I can kind of see a little bit of 
PTW in him, the way they can move guys off the ball and the way they look to finish their blocks. So, you know, and that's still a big, that's still a big comparison for PTW because he's still a raw player, but he is a physical specimen and he does like to beat people up on the interior. He's going to be a guy to keep a lookout for. And I actually do think he will make the active roster next year. He, he is so intriguing to me. Um, you watch him on film coming out of Auburn and the guy is, just so athletic. Um, and that's everything that you any scouting report or anything you read on him, it's going to say, you know, easy mover, fluid mover, athletic, you know, all this stuff moves well in space, all, all this stuff. So it'll be interesting to see, you know, what um, Coach Reed and Coach Heck can do with him and see if he can develop into anything, even if they can develop into, you know, eventually even the Mike Remmers role where he's a backup tackle and guard. He can play those positions where you kind of plug and play if somebody goes down. I think, you know, those guys are so invaluable in the NFL, um, as we obviously found out uh, this year uh, the hard way. But, yeah, let's switch gears to the interior of the offensive line. I, I mentioned already Austin Ryder is a free agent. And per the calculated market value for, for Spotrack, he is worth $11.4 million. And if the Chiefs aren't going to pay Rodney Hudson or Mitch Morris that much money, they sure as heck aren't going to pay Austin Ryder that type of money. Um, you know, obviously we talked about Laurent Duverday, Tardif coming back. You have, um, Andrew Wiley who played there last year. You got Nick Allegretti who played, um, you know, who was a third string guard coming into the year and ended up playing pretty admirable, admirably uh, uh, along the whole thing. And then the only other guy along the interior is Daryl Williams. And, and actually, I don't think Wiley, I think Wiley's actually a free agent. Yes. So he's not, yeah, he's not even on, he's not even with the chiefs right now. So, um, Obviously, this is a position of need. You know, we're not talking about the draft today, but I think that this is they're they're going to look hard at, at linemen throughout the draft. I would would not be surprised if they looked at interior soon, uh, sooner than later in the draft. But what do you think about the interior and kind of where they go? No one on the interior offensive line should be safe after this season, and if you think they're going to give. Austin Ryder and an $11 million contact, you're crazy. So I think they'll probably be looking for another center. Interesting thing is the only guy I would say I think is safe is probably Allegretti because, you know, he did come in, he played tough, and he showed some things you could work with. He'd be an interesting guy to maybe see if he can go play center for them in the, in the future. Um, he's really a pretty stout run blocker. He can get into a little trouble at guard when he opens his hips up a little bit, but the beautiful part of playing center is you can get a little bit of help from your guards. You don't have to open your hip up as much. So that could be a position, and we saw him play that in the preseason a little bit his rookie year. So I'd keep an eye out for maybe a potential move there for him, but they, they, they can't bring back Ryder for $11 million. I mean, I know PFF says he's a great pass protector and all this and that, but you know, whenever people say, why can't the Chiefs move the ball in short yardage? A lot of the time it starts with the center being able to get the first contact off the ball and being able to blow a nose tackle back and being able to win a block to be able to get a little bit of push and movement there. You know, I know everyone looks at the skill players and says, why don't you make that play? Look, there's a lot of times when like Clyde Edwards Hilaire makes guys look good all the time, especially on the Chiefs interior line, especially when you are as untalented as Wiley and Ryder look at times. 
but there's nothing you can do when you have to get a foot and your center is getting blown into the backfield and your guard is as well. So I think they almost have to be done with those two at this point in their career. You know, they're not getting anything more out of them. They are what they are at this point. They're not getting any better. Yeah, I think I think the interior offensive line almost needs to be completely revamped, to be honest. Um, I'll, I'll be interested because I, I, I remember when the Chiefs drafted uh, Nyang, Beach said that he was actually going to p- compete at a guard spot. So I wonder if they'll try to move him um, back to the inside and compete there as well. Um, Daryl Williams was an undrafted free agent guy that they had last year out of Mississippi State at center who I thought would actually challenge Ryder this year because I, I, I really liked his film coming out of Mississippi State. I thought he was a pretty athletic guy, pretty physical guy, um, you know, had – some issues in pass protection, but not, you know, not ton, not where, like you said before, the Chiefs offense is very friendly to the interior as far as pass protection. They they generally put their tackles on islands and give all their help along the interior. Um, so it'll be interesting to see, see there. As far as free agents are concerned, we'll talk both tackle and interior here. There's some super interesting names. Taylor Morton out of Carolina um, is is a pretty interesting guy out there. I think uh, Cam Robinson is an interesting name out there. Is is Brandon Sh- uh, Shret- Sheriff Joe Thune, um, Corey Lindsey, Alex Mack. You know, all these guys are pretty interesting names. I think AQ Shipley um, that you know the Chiefs could have potentially. Uh, look at along the in, in, interior and at tackle because I think there's going to be a lot of movement for Kansas City as far as free agency and draft wise with the offensive line. I agree. You know, this may just be a kind of a crazy one, but Trent Williams is supposed to be a free agent also, and I know he's old, and I know a lot of I know he's old. I know he's this. I know he had a decent season in San Francisco for being a guy that, you know, had just missed a whole year with injury. He had the whole injury deal with him and the Washington football team going on, but he is going to be a free agent and he could be a guy who I would say, you know, he could maybe come in and give you something, give whatever he's got left in his tank because he's getting older and be a guy that can come in and try to get a ring and he could be a tone setter. So that could be a guy I could look if they wanted to go free agency and tackle to be able to, uh, you know, get a guy with experience in there to go after Mahomes or to go protect that. That would be a guy I would look at. You know, obviously, I'd love to have Brandon Sheriff and Joe Tooney in on the offensive line. Those guys are unbelievable players. They're all awesome. But, you know, this might be at the point of those guys' career where they're going to be looking where they can go make some money at. But I don't know, man. Joe Tooney, if he wanted to come to Kansas City, you know, he's already got a few rings with the Patriots. He might as well come try to get a few more. So that would always be nice. And then, like you said, Taylor Morton, Moten, he's a very interesting prospect. He's be, I think he'd be a guy that would be in the Chiefs' range for salary cap, and he'd come in, probably play uh, one of the tackle positions. Um, you know, he's a physical player. He's not the most physically impressive, but he's pretty technique-wise. Had a couple of good seasons in a row now. And really, he's just an all-around player for the Panthers. You know, he doesn't do anything great. He doesn't do anything bad, though. And he's just that consistency that you want to look for, play in and play out. That's kind of who he is. And there was someone else I saw and I was looking at on here who were some interesting guys to me. 
And, uh, oh, yeah, uh, Corey Lindsey also, you know. I have a feeling he's going to have a reunion coming with the Packers, but he would be an immediate upgrade at center, and he does have that big-time experience in big-time games. Yeah, I, I, man, the Trent Williams thing is super interesting because I actually think he did play well with San Francisco when he, when he was in there. Um, I'm looking at Spotrack right now, and they have his market value at $18 million a year. That is, you know, you're basically just replacing – his con- it would be his contract with Fisher's contract, you know, because I think that's what Fisher was set to make. So um, you, you, nothing really changes off the books. And I guess Fisher was a little cheaper. He was 15. But you, you always wonder, too, with these free agents, will they take a slight pay cut to ring chase and to, um, you know, come play with Pat Mahomes, who is now just played in his third straight AFC championship game and second straight Super Bowl. So. You'll, it'll, it'll be interesting to see kind of what they what they look to do there. So basically, to recap here, we don't think that Sammy Watkins should come back. We don't think that... Demarcus uh, Robinson. Demarcus Robinson, gone. Um, we think they should sign a receiver like Kenny Galladay. Allen Robinson is the dream. Um, Tackle-wise, offensive line-wise, I can't even wrap my head around the the amount of changes that I think they're going to happen across the offensive line. I think that you could literally see potentially almost five new starters across Kansas City's offensive line this year. Do you think that's possible? Yeah, I mean that's 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 legitimate. That's a legitimate thing. Like I really think they could start five new dudes. Yeah, even though I do think. Allegretti will find a way to get in there because he just seems to be like a tough-nosed guy that Andy Reid likes. He'll stick around, but you know, like I said on the show last week, everyone on that offensive line, they're all on notice after the Super Bowl. I mean, you know, Brent Beach, he pretty much told the whole defense after the 2018 AFC Championship game, he waved goodbye to those guys quickly. So if Austin Ryder thinks he's going to get $11 million a year at playing the way he did at times this year, then good luck with that. Yeah. Do you think Assembly comes back off the two torn tendons in his knee? No, and I don't think the Chiefs – I know he was awesome when he played, and he kind of gave them that edge they needed on the O-line. He's a great leader. He's old. He's too old now at this point. He's had double tendon injuries. He's had a bad shoulder since he was with the Jets. And it just it seems like it's probably going to be the end of the road for him also in Kansas City, just because I don't think the Chiefs can justify paying him, especially if he's going to only you know go all out for five games and then he could have another injury. The risk is way higher than what I think the reward could be. That makes a lot of sense to me as well. Um, all right, so that was offensive line and wide receiver. Um, you know, we will be going through and doing more positions. Um, obviously I think we might skip quarterback. I think they might be set in there. Although I do always like looking at different backup quarterback options. Um, but we'll be doing this throughout the off season and we will also be jumping into the draft after kind of we recap where they are as far as the roster is right now. And then kind of who the free agents are, cause that's obviously coming up in here in a month. And then the draft is, you know, a month after that. So, um, Caleb, why don't we uh, get out of here? You can tell everybody what you've been working on and where they can find you. All right, everyone. You can find me on Twitter at CJ Scoobs, as always. Um, I wrote an article this past uh, Saturday evening, and it was called uh, One Player the Chiefs Should Cut, Resign, and Extend, and 
we'll probably get into some of these players later on, but I think it was one of my highest viewed articles of all time at the site. So thank you for that, guys. And, you know, I'll have the GMKC. I've got some film reviews for some draft prospects, some O-line play, you know. There's a lot of guys getting a lot of limelight out there in the O-line play, but there's a couple of guys who aren't getting a ton of spotlight, and those are the guys I would be watching out for. But, yeah, check all that out, and uh, make sure to check everything out at the site. Justin, why don't you shut it down, though? Yeah, you can find me on Twitter at jdiz1617. Um, I haven't decided. I'm going to be doing something this week. I might I might be taking a look a little bit more at the wide receivers, um, some of those free agent guys. A little bit closer to kind of see, you know, where the value is outside of obviously the Elon Robinsons. Everybody knows how amazing he is. You know, he's been amazing and he's played with Blake Bortles and Mitch Trubisky as his quarterback. So I can't even imagine what he would do if he had Patrick Mahomes throwing him the ball. Um, but other than that, make sure you're heading over to Arrowhead Live, um, checking out, you know, the store is open. There's tons of podcasts. There's tons of articles. Uh, we appreciate the support, everybody. And we'll talk to you next time.